So last year, Pastor Jim challenged a group of us pastors to begin a journey to figure out what it would take to see a move of God in the next generation. Of course, this was super exciting for all of us because this is pretty much like why we're here. And this is like exactly what we've been called to do to lead as many youth and young adults as we can into a growing relationship with Jesus. So over the next few months, we began an intense journey of learning, reading anything and everything that we could find on kids, students, and young adults, books, articles. We listen to several podcasts from key leaders who are making a big difference in the next-gen world. Some of these leaders, their books and their talks, they deeply stirred us, and they challenged the ways we do church, and even some of the ways that we view church. We began reaching out to tons of churches across the nation, people we thought were just doing a great job in these areas. We did some campus visits throughout Texas and Georgia, along with scheduled phone calls with some of these pastors. And over the course of about six months, we began working together to formulate a game plan, a game plan that we believe will help us better reach more kids, more students, and more young adults for Jesus. Because our goal is we want every single student to learn what it is to trust God, to own their own faith, to experience God's family, and to value a faith community. Now, here's what you already know. Statistically, studies show that between 40 to 50% of all teenagers who attend church regularly throughout middle school and high school, once they finally walk the stage on graduation day, will continue into their adult lives and only half of them will ever walk back into a church service ever again. Friends, that means half of our students right now will make the majority of their most important, most pivotal, life-altering decisions. Things like, who will I date? Should we move in together or no? Should we get married? Will I drink socially? Where will I work? What city do I want to live in? And they'll make all these decisions apart from Jesus, apart from godly wisdom, and apart from the church. And just to put things in perspective, in the 1930s and 40s, only 5% of Americans claimed that they had no religious affiliation. They weren't Baptist, they weren't Catholic, they weren't AG, weren't Muslim, they just weren't anything. But by 2015, of the 85% of American adults who were raised in Christian homes with Christian mom and dads, with Christian grandparents who went to church on Sundays as a family, almost one-fourth of them, 19.2%, would today consider themselves former Christians. The term coined by researchers is nuns. Now, no, not like Sally Field and the Flying Nun, not like Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act 1 and 2. I know you're already thinking, you're like, yeah, you know. Not like Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, but N-O-N-E. It means having no religious affiliation, none. And the impact of the nuns' departure from Christianity is so huge that according to researchers, for every convert to Christianity, four people leave the faith. Think of it. 
That means statistically, for every person that raises their hand to give their life to Jesus in one of our church services or in a church service anywhere across America, there are four other people in the United States who are abandoning their childhood faith. In fact, 44% of all adult Americans qualify as what statisticians would call post-Christian. Not necessarily meaning that they all once were Christians and left Christianity, but rather that some were raised totally outside of organized religion. Some were unhappy with religion and they left. And some, they just never ever really engaged with religion in the first place, even though they were raised in religious households. And in our country, of the 89% of Americans who would say that they believe God exists, of those, only 63% of them would say that they're absolutely certain he really does exist. And here's the thing, friends. These post-Christian adults, this 44%, these are the parents of our country's high schoolers, middle schoolers, kids, and babies. And these students... We call them Generation Z. In our research, we wanted to identify just who our target audience was, so we asked, who is Gen Z? These are our seven to 24 year olds. They're born between 1995 to 2012. They are not millennials like their parents or like their big brothers and sisters. One sociologist says it may be the very first generation for which diversity is a natural concept. They live in a multitasking world and they've mastered it. The average 15 to 17 year old teenage girl sends and receives 50 text messages per day. And some of you in the room are like, thank you very much. He's talking about me. Thanks, Pastor Tito, right? And, and you know that life. They're more independent. They prefer working solo and doing it right than working together because they are the brand and the quality of their work is a big deal to them. They prefer face-to-face -face interaction and being in the moment. Social media influencers are the new celebrities to them. They actually read the comments and the reviews left on products, and it really does affect what they buy. And Gen Z, for those of you who are in the room right now, and for those of you who are watching online, let me just say, you are amazing. You are breathtaking, and you're inspiring. And here's why this is such a big deal. Please listen closely. The studies show that the biggest, most compelling reasons why young adults are not returning to church first begin to surface when they enter into middle school. And you already know this because adolescence is the time when students are trying to figure out what they do and what they do not believe. And for the first time in their lives, most teenagers are beginning to think more about why they believe than what they believe. And on top of that, at this stage in development, because I said so, no longer satisfies them as an adequate answer. And all the parents are like, yeah, I, I picked that one up. <laughs> and let me share with you a harsh reality. Just the way because I said so doesn't work anymore. Neither does because the Bible says so. 
These trite Sunday school answers are just not enough for teenagers today. Because fundamentally, every student is asking, who am I? Where do I fit? What difference can I make right now? And friends, listen, it's our responsibility and it's our privilege as a church to give them answers that are worth their time. And to take it even a step further, if you were to deep dive into what those outside of the Christian faith think about Christians, you would hear things like this. Christians no longer represent what Jesus had in mind. Others say Christianity in our society is just not what it was meant to be. Or even a step further, modern day Christianity no longer seems Christian. And I don't know about you, but that really stings. That really hurts. And I wish I could just say that these are the opinions of of this vicious vocal minority. But in a 2005 study of 60,000 16 to 29-year-olds, 9 out of 10 of those 60,000 said Christian people are defined by being too homosexual, anti-homosexual. 91% said that. 87% said Christian people are too hypocritical. 85% Christian people are too judgmental, too old-fashioned, too involved in politics, 75%. Too out of touch with reality, 72%. And too insensitive to others, 70%. There's this quote. And some people attribute this quote to Gandhi, others to a a Hindu philosopher named Bara Dada. But either way, here's what it says. It says, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now think of it. Of the 60,000 people viewed in those surveys back in 2005, they're now 30 to 43-year-olds. If you're wondering why so many churches are closing, some say between 6,000 and 10,000, Churches are closing per year. Others would say it's some closer to 5,000 per year. But either way, that's still somewhere between 96 to 192 churches that are closing per week in America. And if you're wondering why it's this way, why for every convert to Christianity, there are four people who leave their faith, why the Barna Research Group says the pattern is indisputable, the younger the generation, the more post-Christian it is, maybe it's because we are so unlike our Christ. You see, we have the opportunity to be Jesus with skin on. We have the chance to reflect our Savior, to live like he lived to love like he loved, to bear his name, but also to bear his likeness. But because we are so unlike our Christ, those 60,000 people surveyed as 16 to 29-year-olds are all parents now. And they've been watching us since they were children, since they were teenagers, and now they're adults. And now they have kids. Their kids are high schoolers, their kids are middle schoolers, their kids in elementary, and each one of their kids is being raised in one of three ways. One, they're either being raised totally outside of organized religion, or two, they're allowing the church to have just one more shot 
but by the droves they are leaving disappointed. Or three, for many of them, because they never really engaged and connected with Jesus in their lives, even though they were a part of religious households as kids, they've in turn chosen just not to subject their kids to the religious stuff that they went through. The hypocrisy, the insensitivity, you name it. And the cycle continues. And as a result today, we have scores of middle schoolers who are growing up believing if their parents do attend church, that their parents' faith is non-scientific and unreasonable. That their Christian moms and dads have a faith that is just unprovable and unlikely. And that their parents' faith is the root of all anti-homosexual sentiment, all hypocrisy, all judgmentalness, and everything else they've come to despise their whole lives. And here's what you already know. Kids are growing older, younger. In 2013, the average age in which a child began viewing pornography was 11 years old. That's fifth grade for some, that's sixth grade for others. But in 2019, the average age in which a child begins viewing pornography is no longer 11, it's between nine and 10 years old. That's fourth grade, that's fourth grade mostly due to elementary school kids getting hand-me-down iPhones and iPads. And it isn't something that kids just grow out of. 70% of all 18 to 34-year-olds are regular viewers of pornography. Family, this is a big, big deal. One pastor said it this way, their generation has consumed explicit content in quantities and varieties never before possible on devices designed to deliver content swiftly and privately, all in an age when their brains were more plastic, were more prone to permanent change than in later life. And the result? Having access to the previously hidden fruit of adult information, the child is expelled from the garden of childhood. Children are being robbed of their innocence, their naivety, and their ability to just be a child. The very idea, the very idea of childhood is that there's a time when young people are sheltered from certain ideas, experiences, practices, expectations, and knowledge. Certain facets of life, it's mysteries, it's contradictions, it's tragedies, it's violence. They're not considered suitable for children to know. And only as children grow into adulthood are such facets revealed in ways that children can assimilate psychologically emotionally and spiritually. And isn't that the goal of our kids and student ministries? Isn't that why we don't have your first grader in the same room as your high school senior? Isn't that why for decades, Westover has created world-class kids' environments for your elementary age kids so that they would feel safe and so that they would learn who God is through the context of small group leaders who care for them and love them and teach them through the lens of fun. Isn't that why four years ago when I was hired, we made the decision to create middle school specific experiences in a different room than our high school experiences? 
Because how intimidating is it for a sixth grader to sit next to some guy in the 12th grade who's already shaving, who has the keys to his own car in his pocket, and who really doesn't need any more clarification on how the birds and the bees work, right? And here's what you and I already know about this generation. Generation Z as a whole is lost. Kids and students have no memory of the gospel. According to USA Today, they're not thinking about religion and rejecting it. They're not thinking about it at all. Most of Generation Z would say they believe in God, 78%, but less than half attend weekly religious services of any kind, only 41%. On top of that, 70% of all sexually active teenagers say they did not regret having sex before marriage. And not only is Generation Z lost, but Generation Z is leaderless. They have endless information, but limited wisdom. Each one has unfiltered access to the internet. Schmidt and Cohen, two researchers, said, the internet is among the few things humans have built that they don't truly understand. It is the largest experiment involving anarchy in history. This year, 22 million 12 to 17 year olds in the US own a mobile device. And AT&T and Sprint said, amen, hallelujah. Currently, teenagers are spending nearly nine hours a day absorbing media. But with all the endless information at their fingertips, what they are lacking is leaders. They can learn anything they want at any time they want, but they have no one to guide them. And that's where, listen, that's where these next-gen changes come in. Family, we as your pastors have been shaken to our core with all these stats. And for us, they aren't just numbers. Just curious, for the teenagers and the young adults in the room, by show of hands, How many of you in this room would say, you know a young adult that when they graduated high school, they used to go to church, but when they graduated high school, they stopped coming to church regularly? How many of you would say, I know someone? Raise your hand if that's you. See some hands across the room and put your hands down. Here's the next question. Teenagers and young adults, how many of you would say that you knew a student when you were in elementary school who used to go to church with you when you were in elementary school. But when you moved into middle school or when you moved into high school or when you graduated, they were no longer attending church. Raise your hand if that's you. Friends, here's what we found. The biggest, most compelling reasons why young adults are not returning to church first begin to surface when they enter into middle school. And in fact, there's a larger number of students who fall away from the church after graduating fifth grade and going into middle school than there are anywhere else. And it's for this reason that we've been praying and praying and praying and planning on launching a specialized fifth and sixth grade service. 
You see, every time the doors are open on the weekends at Westover Hills, on Saturdays and Sundays, we want to have a place where we can help make the transition for your middle schooler, your, your elementary school kid who's moving into middle school, not feel like they're skydiving off of an airplane and hoping that their parachute will work. In fact, most of the students that we ask who, who remember transitioning from elementary school to middle school use words like, it was scary. And our hope is that it no longer feels like jumping off a cliff, but it feels like a natural next step. But listen, so much in the life of a middle schooler is not constant. For sixth through eighth graders, middle schoolers have more in common, check this out, neurologically with a toddler than any other age group. And here's why. Because of how many neural connections are being formed in their brains. They're learning so much. Their bodies are changing. Their hormones are changing. And for many, even their family situations are changing. 3.2 million kids ages 6 to 12 are on antidepressants in America. And that's why our goal is to fully staff these environments with godly men and women who love Jesus, who will show up every week, every time the doors are open, to be mentors to them. To be the constant when everything else is unreliable and unpredictable, and we call them life group leaders. And they're heroes. They are absolutely heroes. Additionally, not only are we creating a fifth and sixth grade experience, but we are creating a specialized seventh and eighth grade service as well on weekends where your older middle schooler who's going through just a completely different stage of life and set of challenges than your fifth grader can wrestle through their faith issues can wrestle through their questions about doubt and identity and purpose and belong in a safe place. And they'll be surrounded by, you guessed it, godly men and women who love Jesus and who will show up every single week, every time the doors open to be mentors to them. We call them life group leaders. But not only that, in an era where only eight percent of our teenagers would cite a religious leader as a role model. Here at Westover, we want to raise up an army of life group leaders. Listen, here at Westover, we are recruiting men and women who love Jesus. High schoolers, young adults, singles, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles who are willing to twice a month host a life group of 12 to 15 high schoolers at their homes so that every high schooler in our church and beyond can have a warm community with friends who love Jesus and godly mentors who will help them grow in their faith, who are not unlike our Christ, but who are like our Christ. And we're wanting to launch off-campus life groups for our high schoolers. Amen, amen, amen. Additionally, we're creating a weekly midweek service just for high schoolers in the gym. This will start next Wednesday night. We'll have worship. We'll have a message directly aimed at what you're going through, relationships, friendships, stress, anxiety, and what part God has to play in your future and in your present. 
And we will also have life groups with godly young adult men and women who love Jesus and will show up every single week, every time the doors are open to help be mentors to you. You already know we call them life group leaders. And for our young adults, all of our Westover Hills campuses are combining to offer a unified young adults gathering every month led by Pastor Christian and myself in hopes of mobilizing and launching more disciples of Jesus into their God-given callings on this earth than we ever have before. More life groups, more opportunities to serve, more chances to lead. And lastly, we're wanting to introduce a monumental change that we believe very well could have the greatest long-term impact on our high schoolers. But it'll take every single one of us to be on board. It'll take every person within the hearing of my voice in this room and online to play a role. We are inviting our entire church body and our entire church leadership to what could be the single most impactful series of show up moments we have ever had for the next generation. We're asking for every single one of you to begin investing a disproportionate amount of energy and intentionality into our high schoolers and young adults. Listen, I'm talking about mentorship on steroids. We're wanting to see high schoolers and young adults on the weekends involved in every facet of ministry on every one of our Westover Hills campuses. Listen, we want them singing on stage. We want them playing instruments. We want them running cameras, running lighting equipment, leading life groups for kids and middle schoolers, helping with next steps, helping with first impressions, welcoming our community in our parking lots and at every door. And listen, never in the history of Westover Hills have there been more opportunities for high schoolers and young adults to be in key positions of leadership. And here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to make space for them. We're not asking you to leave. Listen, not at all. We're asking you to stay. We're asking for you to choose to take these opportunities to begin mentoring the next generation. To choose to invite a high schooler or a young adult out to lunch every few weeks. To offer to host a life group at your home. To begin doing what we call life on life through the lens of intergenerational worship. And each weekend, we're asking for you to welcome our high schoolers and young adults to be a part of our weekend services. Even if it means giving up your favorite seat. even if it means giving up your favorite seat so a ninth grader feels like this service is their service. So that they feel like Pastor Jim and Pastor Brent and Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Danae are also their pastors. So they feel like this is their church because here's what we're fighting against. So many high schoolers who grew up in youth group will graduate high school and hear from the person who for four years was their pastor 
that they've outgrown their service and need to go over there, but no more. Our goal is that every high schooler would see our pastor as their pastor, amen? And that they would see our church as their church because we wanna break the trend of 40 to 50% of high school grads who leave the church and never return. But to do so, we're inviting every high schooler to attend one adult service every weekend and to serve one service every weekend. Listen, we are a high commitment church. We don't apologize for believing that it's really true when we say save people, serve people. And we wanna mobilize every high schooler and every young adult to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we are praying for a movement like that in Acts 4.31 that says after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. But friends, if we want this to happen in our church, in our body, with our students, then we have got to have a place for them. This place has got to become their place too. And it's our job to let them know that they are absolutely wanted here. If that means hiring them, if that means putting them on the platform, if it means taking into account their tastes, priorities, questions, vocabulary, sensibilities, and technology, it means giving them a seat at the table and inviting them to make a difference alongside you. Would you pray with us? Would you pray with us? Family, listen, this is a huge undertaking. We don't want to pretend that we have it all figured out. But will you pray that God will continue to give us wisdom as we move forward? Because we legitimately want every single kid, every middle schooler, every high schooler, every young adult to go to heaven. Listen, we're not okay with losing even one kid to hell. You see, we're just so convinced that God wants to raise up a generation that is anointed by God's spirit with boldness to speak into the heart of their culture, that we are ready to take a faith-filled risk. We're ready to take a leap and to trust God for his best for our students. And we really believe this is how we're going to do it if you'll stand with us all around this room. And we just want to take this before our Savior for a few moments. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes and throw both hands in the air and let's just ask God to put his hand all over this. Let's just ask God for wisdom to see the areas that we are not even sure of. Father, we invite you into the equation. God, we invite you into this entire transition. God, we want you a part of this. God, we want to see every high schooler graduate and continue to love you and serve you. That they would grow, God, in wisdom and in stature and in grace and become more like you every day of their lives. God, our prayer is that no young adult would leave our church feeling like there's nothing for them. That no young adult would leave our church feeling like they're not making a difference. God, that no middle schooler would come to our church week in and week out and feel like the central questions that are just tearing apart their faith are not being answered. 
Father, it's a scary journey for a kid. It's a scary road for a teenager. And what we're asking God is that you would supernaturally provide in this room that you'd begin speaking to adults. You'd begin speaking to men. You'd begin speaking to women. You'd begin speaking to young adults, to high schoolers, and you'd begin putting on their hearts the call to be a life group leader. That they would not be hearers of the word only, God, but they would be doers. God, that they would be stirred to action and that they, on the drive home tonight, would begin to ask themselves and ask each other, what can I do? Should I open up my home and be a host home? Should I, should I partner up with Pastor Will? Should I partner up with Pastor Tito? Should I be a life group leader? Should I pray about being a part of the services for fifth and sixth graders? God, I just pray you speak in this room. And God, for our, for our incoming middle schoolers, God, that this would be the best change of their lives. God, that what we've been praying about and trusting you for, God, would be the absolute best thing for them. God, for our incoming high schoolers, God, that these changes would be the best thing that ever happened to their spiritual lives, that happened to their relationships. God, that they would be surrounded with a people where they are known and where they know others. And for our young adults and graduating high schoolers, that they would see this as an opportunity to seize the helms of leadership in our church and to not wait but to move forward into the calling that you've placed on their lives. God, we love you and we trust you and we're so grateful for you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Amen.